All right, this is about the position, right? Looks good to me. Looks good. All right. All right, welcome back to another edition of Inside the Passion of Music and Art, Rhythm and Voice. I'm sitting here with my main man, Tracy. Cheers, Tracy. Cheers. Good to be here. And uh, I love that story about how you became a photographer. And Tracy took the uh, the group photo that is the brew photo and he captured exactly what the craft beer culture is uh and it's just everyone that's seen it is blown away by it i mean the colors are nice and everything's popping and it's clear and it looks like a big time advertisement on a billboard <laughs> somewhere man driving out i-95 or something so obviously um you know, Tracy has a little bit of experience. And, uh, you know, I mean, you just don't come climbing out of the womb with that gift, or do you? No, that was a lot of hard work. Yep. No, Unfortunately, no, no natural talents here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, uh, you know, you talking about a couple of events that really turned your life around and turned your life into uh, the direction of photography and uh, I'd just like to share that with the listener. It's a great story. Uh, I, it's still this many years later. I think about the whole the way the turn of events happened, and it's like, man, that was a really strange turn of events, which started uh, about halfway through my college career. It was in July. A bunch of us went up to Lake George for a lost weekend of partying and reveling, and uh, we were at a local bar, and a and a, a, a the classic barroom brawl broke out. Was playing uh, pool with a couple of locals. So swinging uh, cues. And no, not cues. No, it wasn't and... quite that violent, but it was a good fist fight that literally moved across the bar and out the front door and out into the sidewalk. And I was, of course, involved with this. And I had a few beers. And I was sitting on top of a guy and I wound up. And at the last second, he moved his head and I smacked the sidewalk with my hand. So I had to get hand surgery. Ouch. And I had to withdraw from college, which was kind of a drag. I was a yeah, junior at UConn and uh, had the surgery done. Really stupid thing. I don't, I don't suggest fighting for anybody. This is the old wilding youth years. I certainly don't do that anymore. But uh, I ended up getting the surgery and the only place I could get my hand uh, rehabilitation done was in New York City on 23rd Street between Park and Lex and I started commuting down there twice a week to go to hand therapy and my father who was an advertising guy did a lot of photo shoots and one of his prized photographers John Bechtold was about five blocks away from where my hand therapy place was and I was minoring in photography in college and my dad said you should stop by and meet John He's a good guy. You can see his studio. He's got an awesome studio. So made an appointment to see him after one of my hand therapies and walked in there all bandaged up. I think I had screws and pins and all sorts of metal apparatus on my hand and uh, met him. And he goes, uh, you know, if you want to come back and see, see a shoot, you know, come back in a couple of weeks. So I did. And I was awestruck by what I saw. And at the end of that day, what what did you see? It, this was a it, it was a still life. It was a product shot for a cake company. I think it was like Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker cake. Oh, yeah. And it was just a a shot of a hand, you know, professional hand model, of course, with like a glass dome 
that was over this cake and it was just picking up the dome, you know. Like one of those uh, traditional cake. Yeah, like a cover thing. But this right. was elegant and had the company's name etched on it and everything. And there was like 25 people in the studio. I mean, for a freaking one picture of a hand and a cake in this glass dome, you know, there's all these people there. And I was awestruck by the whole scene. And at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, that was great. And he said, listen, he goes, if you want to come back here, you know, and uh, hang out here while you're not in school. He said, if you can sweep the floor, you know, come on in and just work for us a little bit. So he handed me the broom. He said, can you sweep a floor with that one hand? Because my other hand was all bandaged up. And like in a, in a comical move, I just started sweeping the floor with one hand sort of showing off. And that was how it all started. And the second time I went in uh, for the second photo shoot, I should say, uh, I was halfway through that day and I thought, this is exactly what I want to do. It was instantaneous. I didn't even have any experience doing what I was witnessing, but I understood it, you know, enough to think that was just the greatest, what, a, what an unbelievable job that would be. And that's what started the whole thing. Now, I've heard this uh, many times before and I haven't had it yet, I don't think, where people have the moment where they say to themselves, okay, I wanna do what that guy's doing. Like, it, it hits them. They may start off in, in one direction, and then all of a sudden they see someone doing something, and they're hey, I wanna be that guy. Yeah. Like, that's what I wanna yeah. do. Yeah. And once you get to that place, the rest is is easy. It just takes a while to get to that place. And a lot of times it happens by circumstance. You know, I think a lot of people have that impetus. Oh, I'd love to do that. But they don't follow through on it. You know, in the case of that moment in that photography studio, it was strong enough that there was no question about that's what I was going to do. And it was I was young. I was, geez, that was, I was 19 years old. But you said there was no question. There was no question about it. And I didn't even understand the concept of having intuition when you're 19 years old. You right. know? But clearly my, intu my intuition said, do this. And I, I withdrew from college and I never went back. And I worked for that guy for seven years. I mean, that was it. Not only was it the career, but he was the guy that was going to mentor me. So it was, it was the right... Yeah. guy it was the right mentor yep absolutely that was you know christ 35 years ago and i just actually talked he's deceased now but i talked to his daughter today you know he a very important figure but it brings up an interesting thought um i recently went through the same thing four years three years ago when i finally quit being a commercial photographer to go into another line of work and it was the exact same thing that the feeling it, oh yeah it was literally i was driving down route 156 and you know i, I do a lot of music therapy and sound therapy work now and i, I it was a, a strange place it was just a weird bend in the road there was nothing there there was nothing going on and i just thought you should quit your photography career and pursue doing this as your next career and it came that quickly, and I, I never questioned it. I didn't question it for two seconds. It's like, okay, that's next. So I think that, you know, when you have a sense of intuition, 
especially for things that you inevitably get passionate about. Right. I think that it's a really good thing to trust it and act on it, especially if it doesn't work, because then you start to get a gauge for intuition, you know? Give me an example. When has it not worked for you? Hmm. The first thing that came to mind, uh, when I bought my house, the guy that I bought my house from left a, an ATV, you know, one of those four-wheel quad things. Right. Just threw it in as part of the house deal. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, when my kids come up to visit me, they're going to get in that thing and someone's going to wrap themselves around a tree. And I said, just get rid of it. You know, just get rid of it. And I, re I really regret having done that. Because it was a free ATV that I could be bombing around my woods right now if I kept it. So my intuition did not serve me well. There, okay? But was that intuition or was that uh, a fear? I, I don't know. All I can say is that I wish I had that ATV. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's roll back to that broom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I believe you have to start somewhere. And yeah. at that point you weren't your intuition was guiding you in the direction that you felt you you really had a desire to to pursue that career oh yeah but had you devout developed the passion for it yet well i had been... or did that come along the more you learned huh. the more you got involved i mean when when was the point uh where you felt passion for it. I mean, did you feel passion when you were sweeping up or were you just sucking in everything and learning as much as possible like a sponge or when you finally had your first gig? And when did you get that adrenaline passion rush? Boy, that's, that's, that's not an easy one to answer. I don't, I don't think it was passion right away. No, that's what I'm saying. No, when? it wasn't. And I think, I actually, you know, I think that there's a lot of degrees of passion. And I, I would say that, you know, you have these milestones with it. Um, certainly the first time I did, you know, when you're becoming a photographer, you have to practice. And you call that testing. You know, you do a test shot. In the hopes that you'll get something good enough that maybe you can put it in, the, in a portfolio and begin your collection of work that will go out and get you more work. Um, so I think there's different degrees of that uh, passion and certainly one of, the, one of the milestones was seeing the first piece of film. It was film back then, not digital, right. but when you saw your first test shot, it's like, holy shit, it worked. You know, that sort of gets, fuels your fire. I think it's a lot of little micro experiences like that that collectively build into a passion, you know? Um, I mean, I've been taking pictures pretty much my entire adult life, and I don't do it professionally anymore, but I'm probably more passionate about photography than I've ever been, you know? Why? Well, uh, leaving it as a career, and something that I, quote, had to do to survive, really took the pressure off photography and allowed it to just be, have fun with it, you know, as opposed to make a living with it. So that, that was a big, you know, now, that was a do big Do you change. think it's possible to have fun 
making a living or making a living oh, totally. having fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I loved my photography career. It was just amazing. You know, it was really, really, really hard and very frustrating at times, like any good career would be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, certainly looking back on it and even during it, I remember like, you know, just getting totally jazzed for upcoming assignments and lots of like nervous energy the morning of and, you know, just, you know, when you when you when you have a vision and there's pressure on you, clients, time. Um, and you succeed in what the mission is, and maybe it went even a little bit better than you thought it would be, and it kind of raised the bar a little bit, that's really juicy fodder for passion right there. You know, that's a great feeling. Now, what about when the opposite happens? Mm. When you, when you huh. don't hit the bar. You know. <laughs> when you fall short. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a great anecdote on that one. Um, I'm divorced, but when I was married and my marriage wasn't doing very well, we were in therapy. And there was a lot of talk about my career and my work. And in, uh, in therapy. Yeah. Yeah, because I was passionate about my career, you know. And the therapist said to me, I think I think my ex-wife was saying something like, you know, if he has a bad day at work, he's like a real grump, a real pain in the ass or whatever. And that was a recurring theme. And <laughs> You had a lot of bad days in that. Well, way. I mean, you just, when you're passionate, you really want things to just turn out right. And of course, you don't have total control over things. Yeah. Um, and the, the therapist said to me, she said, Mr. Kroll, when you stop judging your self worth based on the quality of your pictures, you're going to start to become a better person. Because <laughs> I just worked so hard to make my pictures as good as they possibly could be. And when they didn't go well, which is what was your question. Right. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. Because I think that's part of being a passionate person, especially in the early days. You know, the goal obviously is to fall flat on your face and just embrace it as a great opportunity to learn rather than, oh, I just failed miserably, which in the early days, you know, that's part of growing. I think that, it, like I said before, I think there's degrees of this passion and if you're passionate about something for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it gets deeper and bigger and more juicy. And because you never stop there is learning no, or growing. There is no end to it. And the more yeah. you realize that and the more you learn, the more, the deeper you get into the whole thing. Really. And it's almost like when you have those setbacks, you learn as that as much as you have learned, you still have so much more to learn. Yep. You know, and that's what gives you almost like the deeper passion. I mean, even starting out with this podcast series, one of the very, because every episode that I record, it's like when I'm done and I get back and I kind of relive the experience, there's always a lesson in it for me. And um, the first lesson that I learned was to minimize expectations to mute, like moot, like I know where I'm going to begin and I just stay focused on that and I just let everything take me wherever it's going to take me from there. Because when I, so I, I make it so that my 
Vision is the beginning. That's the vision. Mm -hmm. And I stay focused in the beginning. So with you, I knew I want to begin with the brew. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. It's like, that's where I want yeah. to begin. Well, in many so, ways it did. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And it's like, uh, yeah, so that's lessons for me. And with every episode, every time I, I sit down and talk with someone, it's like I learn so much that spills over into like the next episode. And as long as I stay focused on the learning and I don't put too much pressure on myself over things that I really can't control anyway, right. then I really have fun and I have fun learning. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of what this whole uh, podcast series is about. It's about that part of the process. It's about no matter what you're doing, you're, you know, you got to start somewhere, man. Yeah, you do. You know? Yep. And, and then you got to like take a step and then another step. So no, no matter what it is, whether it's photography or mm -hmm. whether it's uh, you want, you want to be a basketball star or football star, it's you know, you got to go through like the fundamental stuff, the repetition stuff. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's how you get good. Yeah, and you can never stop that kind of practicing and training cuz you're moving the bar up every, you know bunch of years right as I always say you know I'm tired of making the same old mistakes I'm ready to make some new ones some new ones here <laughs> you know what I mean it's like let me make some new ones yeah so you have this fabulous self-portrait uh, and I've fallen in love in the past three or four months with like these there are three self-portraits and all of you photographers are going to be featured in like the first group of episodes that go out that I absolutely that have hit me in the solar plexus. Oh, really? So, oh my God. Uh -huh. So hard. And your self-portrait is powerful. Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about the one that you took. Was it up on the Cape? Was it in Massachusetts? Oh, oh out there on that beach. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was inside shot. It was an inside shot? Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking out here. It was... Um, it was the internal shot where you're sitting in the chair. I want to say there was a dog there. It looked like it may have been not a diner. Oh, was it outside? With was it wearing a hat? No. With a dog though, right? I think there black, was a dog black and white? that was down. Black it was and black white. and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Was that outside? It was. That was in P Town. Yeah. One of my favorite places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's where yeah. Ella Grace was conceived. Oh, no kidding. That was actually my first trip to P-Town, and I loved it. Oh, I had a blast. love it. Yeah. And I remember I asked you about, oh, my God, like, how did you set that up? What did you do? Blah, right. Blah. And you said, yeah, well, you know, I got lucky. It, you know, it, 35 it, years of experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a complete, just quick, bing, bang, boom. No lighting, no nothing. Yeah. That yeah, was amazing. That, yeah. Yeah, it was a great picture. And how many shots did you take? One. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's you one gotta of the... see this. Uh, Tracy's gonna have his uh, own page on her website, so um, it'll link to this automatically, and that picture is gonna be up there along with a few others. But you, you know, this is a um, audio. There's no visual, so we're gonna hook you up to some visuals on the on the website. 
for the purposes to drive you there because you have to check this out, what we're talking about. All right. I'll be right back. just got a new picture. I'm so proud of it. Is that Zappa? That's Frankie, yeah. Wow. He was such a genius. Oh, man, is that great? That's a great picture, man. That's cool. I've literally just been, like, staring at it, you know? do when you split play my drums all right oh yeah mm -hmm. late night drum is great <laughs> no neighbors got that right yeah steps tools toolbox toolbox yeah When you're a photographer, you got a lot of big toolbox. You know, you got a lot of techniques and stuff and hardware and lights and lenses and all that stuff. A lot of tools. So when you start out, when I was working in New York as an apprentice, you're very concerned about the tools. A, because you don't know how to use them, so you got to learn how quick, quickly how to use them so you can you know, do what your boss wants you to do. And then it's how do they work that way? When do you use them? How do you use them? You know, being young, my early 20s in New York, watching this, these big you know, national ad campaign shoots go down, I was very concerned with what was going on what are the tools? Where do the lights go? Which lights to use? How to position them? Very wrapped up in the technical, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very technical process. At least the photography I got involved with was. But you, you don't, you think you know it because you're observing and you're mimicking. I took a lot of notes. I kept a journal you know, about what happened that day to study. And you studied. Oh, very much so. That was all on the job training for me. I really didn't, I didn't go to a photography school, so to speak. But it was a pretty, it's a pretty terrifying thing when you're like, okay, I get all this. Now I'm gonna go out and take some pictures for myself now that I know all this stuff. And you fall flat on your face, you know? Just because you know where the on-off switch is or you can anticipate where, where I could anticipate where my boss would want me to put a light or what type of light to put or whatever. You know, he was making those important decisions, those creative, those aesthetic decisions, not me. So I didn't learn that. I just learned how to execute what he 
what he execute his vision. Right. But he, when you had your own vision, and you, then you realize that your vision's terrible and unrefined, and there's so much more to it than these technical tools, right? No, but you still have your vision. Your vision isn't unrefined. Yeah, but it's the the execution right. of that. You get all tripped up. So I became pretty fascinated in that process at a pretty young age. I would study a lot of photographers like Annie Leibovitz in the late 70s and early 80s, um, Arthur Elgort, um, Herb Ritz, Michelle Cherevkov, Gregory Heisler. I mean, these were all like the, the people that were movers and shakers when I was a young man down there. And, um, you know, you realize there's just a whole lot more than just these tools and this technical stuff. It's vision. So I spent a lot of time, I'd go to workshops once a year, either in Maine or in Santa Fe, where the two big photo workshops would be, and study more of the aesthetics of it. Um, but that, that whole creative process, was, has, it still is a very fascinating part of the whole thing. Um, Ansel Adams wrote in book number three of The Negative that to be a good photographer, you have to completely, totally master the technical aspects of it first. So much to the point where it's, it's so secondhand, it's Second so intuitive because you know the technical that well that only at that point does the true vision and creativity really start. Because if you, if you don't have the technical background, you, you wrestle. It's like the left brain wrestling with the right brain, trying to make logic with the left. Right. If you can just be on top of just away from all that and just focus on creativity. Um, so I spent a lot of time learning and journaling. I have, still have my um, I have files of tests that I did, relentless tests. To the point where you can just feel the stuff. You don't have to think about it anymore. It's something I've spent a lot of time with, and it's been pretty. It's been a very beneficial, and it still continues to this day. You know, just figuring out ways to see better. You know, I did. I've done a lot of portraits. Love doing portraits. I took your picture. Yeah. And I recently realized that I'm gravitating. To, towards photographing people that kind of want to be photographed you know like I shoot a lot of musicians mm -hmm. I shoot a lot of um, athletes you know people that have good bodies you know these are people that have that are very willing participants you know that, that want to be photographed and now I'm starting to realize that that's been a real crutch because those are the easy ones because <laughs> they want it. They want it, you know. <laughs> I mean, half of the job is a, of, of a portrait photographer is trying to relax their subjects and get them to do certain things or to be themselves. And when you have people that are really willing to do that, that's easy. <laughs> so uh, it's funny. It's just uh, today's Monday on Friday night. I was up in Hartford. We were at a, at a burger bar. And this guy came in and, man, he was really disheveled, you know. Not homeless, quite homeless looking, but certainly on the way there. His eyes were red. His hair was a mess. He had like, you know, 12, 14 days of growth on his face. 
And it's like, man, I want to photograph that guy, you know? People that have a lot of emotion or mm-hmm. not even saying struggling, but just not maybe people that aren't so damn willing to be photographed, you know? So still discovering lots about the creative process. And, you know, to me, the technical stuff, pretty much anyone can learn these days, you know, between the Internet and YouTube and online training classes. I mean, if you really want to learn something... It's as a there photographer, as a technical exercise, it's all there, and it's it's presented well in a way that you know pretty much anyone that's got half a brain can learn how to do this stuff. So I've been very fascinated with the things that you really can't learn, you know, vision, creativity, sensibility, point of view, those types of things, because that's that all comes from within. So it's been nice to have all the technical experience like well entrenched to the point where that no longer interrupts the creative process and you can really start to dig down a lot deeper find out what your vision's all about so you coming from the commercial photography background you have vision i mean you have a vision of how you see something playing out, you find the right location, you, you know, whatever subjects. I mean, you have this vision, almost like a storyboard, in a sense, a pictorial storyboard. When creativity strikes, or the path to creativity begins, when that vision isn't coming to fruition so in other words let's say you have uh, all right I have the right location the right subjects at the right time of day all of a sudden get up there the weather changes Mm. the lighting changes like that totally disrupts your vision, but you're locked into this, what, X period amount of time. So then all of a sudden, does your vision change? Do you say, okay, the vision I had going through, well, that's not coming out. I need to have a new vision based on what is given at that moment in, in time. At that moment in the yeah. here and now, yeah. that's when you need to be, I mean, that gives birth to creativity. Because maybe there's, um, uh, you know, it's a windy day. The wind is picking up some stuff that all of a sudden you notice. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. It's picking up this, which is creating a different, like, color degradation. You know what I mean? I mean, is, have you had any of those experiences? I would say without any hesitation that at least at least half of the pictures that I've taken half of the portraits that I've taken <clears throat> the the best of the best the pictures that were the successful ones were not the ones that were planned you know it's they turned away for a minute because they took a phone call and it was either the turning away or the phone call or the coming back in to the scene where the magic happened. You but know? the point is that you shot it. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And you really, I think, you know, you when, when you have so many pictures that happened at those unforeseen moments, 
that those were the ones that were the best, you start to have a radar for that kind of stuff, you know. I think these days, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not shooting that much, not as much as I'd like to, but yeah, it's definitely more about that. It's like the whole setup, the whole like getting the picture ready, that's just kind of smoke and mirrors, waiting for that unusual moment, the wind to come up, the, the certain turn or the laugh that happened because someone over here said something funny. So for you, it's just going through the motions of... Did you ever watch The Honeymooners? Oh, yeah. Remember when um, Ralph and Ed... I forget what the show that, that they were on. It was a music show. Name That Tune. It was like a Name That Tune thing. And they would rehearse. And uh, before every rehearsal... Ed had to play dun 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 oh, yeah. dun 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 you know, every song that Ed threw at him, he knew the answer. This, bah, he was feeling really good. He had his belly out. So he gets, the, I mean, he's ready, man. He's down. He goes on that <laughs> Name That Tune show. And, and you know, they're like, so Ralph, what do you, you know, how do you feel you're going to do? He's like, I'm going all the way to the $100 million question yeah. express. Yeah. And, they, and then they say, okay. And then. The first song that they play was. I do remember that. And he chokes, right? Well, yeah, he totally chokes, but he starts, and then the guy goes, you know, he says something, goes, no, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. By so and so and so and so. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm sorry. By so and so. You know, it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. But I it do just goes to show that a lot of times, you know, that setting up, going through the motions, getting relaxed, just gives, prepares you to, well, be creative. So back to what you were saying about like mastering all the technical stuff. All the yeah. stuff in the in the toolbox frees you up to do that to become a creative person. To become yeah. a creative person. Yep. Yep. You know the other the other way to go about it is to not ever have any tools. <laughs> Just constantly make it up completely as you go along with no concern of failure. You know that's another way to go about it. Um, have you done that too? Not as much as I should, and I think that's something I'm going to be spending a lot of time on next year. Yeah. Have you ever done it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Always with uh, a good awareness of, of why it didn't work, you know, or what you didn't know what was going on, and just make notes from that, journal it, make a textbook out of it, and learn from it. Do you have any examples? Right here, right now? My journals? No, of having that experience where you go without any tools. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, when I do a lot of my 
stuff in the woods in the forest. I don't bring lights or anything, just shoot by. What about lenses? I have one, but it's a zoom lens, so I've got some choices in there. I've got some tools in that lens. Yep. But that's, you know, that's more of a... That's an interesting process right there because I'm very, very moved by New England woods. I think New, in, New England woods are, is, the, is a hu one huge, massive art installation. You know, it's just, for me, it's everything I see in there is just like this unbelievable piece of art that someone spent, you know, years creating. But when you just like, aim a camera at the New England woods and snap it and you look at it it's like it just like looks cluttered and uninteresting you've probably taken pictures and yeah. it's like man wow. it didn't it didn't feel like that it didn't yeah. look like that you know I think I have a strong connection with the woods you know to the point where I probably see things and feel things different than maybe mm -hmm. the average person would so it's like how do you get that emotional response so that to the unknown viewer that sees that picture, they're like, wow, that's really cool, that's different, or that's exciting, or that's unusual, or just some emotional response other than, oh, it just looks like a scrubby, flat woods, you know? And that, that uh, you know, that's only happened in the last 10, 15 years that I think I can go in there and capture that somehow, you know? There's sort of a different layer of seeing, there's a different layer of creativity, there's a different layer of connection with a camera where you got to start going on a guidance system that isn't just a tool out of your toolbox you know or that you got out of youtube or something like that it's just like there's this other connection and there's other, another way of seeing things another way of photographing documenting something that would allow you to let it be more powerful than just the snapshot well, that's really interesting that you say this about emotional response, especially when it comes to the woods, because it's very accessible to get an emotional response from a, you know, self-portrait or a portrait uh, when you're dealing with humans, humans, because we're human and we connect with something. But to be emotionally connected to woods or even something that's abstract uh that's it that's pretty wild mm. and i've always said with art you know pieces of art i mean they're so subjective and i don't know why i connect with certain pieces that i connect with i just connect with them yeah but i do know one thing there's a difference when I look at a piece where I look at it like, whoa, and my body moves kind of backwards, and then there's this. There's the piece that pulls me in mm. and engages me, where I just want to look at it. When I think of woods pieces or, or, or forest pieces, it's there's something almost magical that's pulling me in so i want to be inside of it mm -hmm. you know I, I it's just like a magnet it's just like i have no idea why 
Hmm. <laughs> I couldn't explain it, but I know it's. I have a, a really strong emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to be one with it almost, or I want to go inside and experience that journey. Right. I mean, that's just my experience. How do you experience pieces when you look at them? Art pieces of art. Yeah, photography, art, fine arts, sculpture. Like well, I mean, the my... emotional connection. I guess I I I don't. Um... It's a very it's a very personal experience. I mean, I don't. I don't like the process of of trying to talk myself into liking a piece of art. I no, like I'm talking. Um, it's totally subjective, and it's. Um, but I'm talking about the emotional right aspect. It's aspect. not even that you like or dislike. Right, right, right. You're it. It connects with you. Mm-hmm. But I'm not talking about anything that involves like any human representation or human experience. I'm talking about something that's almost abstract or woods or... Oh, you mean like actually being outside in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah, but seeing a photograph of it. Like, what have you seen? Like, you're talking about, oh yeah, the New England woods. Yeah. Taking photographs of it and what you see and what you're experiencing and what you're feeling. You try to capture that. And your hope is that what you capture connects with the viewer as you connected with it because that's what you're really trying to share you know what I, I, I don't think so you don't think what? no I don't you know when I go out and take pictures in the woods I don't do it with the intention of someone outside or reacting to it it's more for me like did I get visually what I felt right so okay. it's not really so but, much for the viewer but then you become the viewer well, so yeah. in a sense, yeah, it, you know, you you know, when you're the photographer, right, you're trying to capture something that you felt, right. Now, once you look at it as a photograph, you become a viewer of of that photograph. Yeah, you and know it, what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it, if, if if it doesn't hit, if it doesn't capture what you felt, right, say it. Finish your statement. If it doesn't capture what you felt. You missed the mark. All right, but this is this is the this is an inter- interesting part of my process. I go into the woods, and it's all about what I feel, certainly what I see, but what emotional response does that bring up? What spiritual response does that bring up? Okay, that's a big one for me. So, if I take the picture of that whatever it is as best I can knowing that what I'm trying to do is capture what I feel or see or whatever. When I come back and look at it, if it's not quite there, I don't go, ah, I missed it. That's when I start Photoshop and I start pushing it and molding it a little bit and enhancing it and st- stretching reality a little bit with it until I get it to feel the way it felt when I was there. So it's it's not you got one shot, buddy. Take the, you know, push the shutter and hope that you got it because a lot of what I do it gets done in the computer. Oh. 
Oh, yeah, man. because the fact is when you, the non-professional photographer, goes in the woods and takes that, you come back and you're like, eh, it looks flat and cluttered and stuff. Yeah, it sucks. Very often I'm up against a similar situation. So it's like artistic license come in, comes in, and it's like I'm going to enhance this kind of flat, lifeless picture and get it, you know, modified until it fits what I felt. Because the fact is when Ansel Adams was out in Yosemite, mm-hmm. camped out in the hills to take those great scenic pictures yeah. of the, the Northwest, and he comes back and develops those negatives and prints them, and they look, ah, that's not what it felt like to me. Ansel Adams went into the dark room and he starts starts dodging and burning and using chemical techniques and printing techniques until he gets that image to look and feel the way it felt to him. So, and he was is like one of the finest art photographer purists known. Yeah. He was using extremely advanced technical techniques to get those pictures to look that way. And certainly not to compare myself to Ansel Adams, but no, a, lot of, a lot of what I feel when I'm out in the woods, I don't get right out of the camera. I've got to bring them into the computer and push them around a little bit and move it around and stretch it and pull it until it's like, Now, yeah, why do you suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. that is that it can't be captured? Simple. Is it 2D The camera 3D? does not record emotion. That's it. That's it. It's the emotional response to what you felt. It's trying to get the visual response to what you felt. Whether it's in the conventional old dark room with chemical techniques or within a high-end Mac computer with Photoshop, the same need is still there, which is like, I got this idea about what that felt like to me, and I'm not seeing it. Right out of the camera, so I've got to bring in another set of tools to get it to to look and feel that way. Get it? Well, let's flip the script. Has there ever been a time where that photo has represented oh, the abso- emotion oh, absolutely. that you felt? Absolutely. So how can, absolutely. on one end, the camera cannot, but then on the mm. other hand... The camera can. So is it the camera or is it the photographer behind the lens? What what is it? What is that? What's creating the magic? Is it the the camera person or the camera itself? Or I mean, what's the how come sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't? Let's. It has to do with vision. It has to do with emotional response. Sometimes you need tools to bring it to that point, and sometimes you don't need those tools because it did happen that way. Well, why does it happen that way? That way? And other times, I mean, in your experience, Um, the times when it did happen? Yeah, here's exactly why that happens. A lot of it has to do, photography's all about light and shadow, right? Sometimes the lighting that is there in reality at that moment was perfect and there's nothing you have to do. 
because the shape and the form and the texture that I was having that emotional response was brought out beautifully by that shaft of sunlight that just happened to be hitting there at that time. Right. That, that scenario, you don't have much to do, if anything. Same place, same shapes, same textures, but it's flat. It's an overcast day. You see it with your eyes. Don't forget, you're no, nothing is going to interpret things better than your eyes because they're connected to your heart and your soul and your brain. You're going to take that flat rendition of the exact same scene into Photoshop. You're going to boost the colors. You're going to push the contrast a little bit. You're going to get into that dodging and burning thing like Ansel Adams used to do, but the digital version of it, to create form and shape and shadow that didn't exist. So the answer is, is that your eye sees what the camera does not. You feel what the camera does not. It's not so much a visual thing. It's more of an emotional response to what you're seeing. Right. And there's also also artistic license that comes in here, too. The goal isn't always just to get it to look like what you feel. Because the fact is... I might not look at those pictures for two or three days later. I'm in a totally different mindset. I'm going to bring that flat picture of that same scene with the textures and the shapes and everything. I might feel completely different about it that day. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, I totally hear. I mean, there are episodes that I've recorded where I, you know, go back and I'll listen to them. I won't touch them for a week. And I'll listen to them and I'm like, ooh. Yeah, and then I'll go back to it three, four weeks later, and I'm thinking, I'm like, hmm. yeah, or you'll you edit know? it a different way. No, but I'll just listen to it a different way. I mean, yeah. sometimes I can't even listen to yeah, it. You right. know what I mean? Sometimes it's like ah, but then I'll go back and I'm like, wow, yeah, like there's some good material. Yeah, there's some good stuff yep. here. Uh, you know what? That's uh, that's another good good point. Is that <clears throat> your mindset has to be in the right place. And that's a very opened place. Mm-hmm. It's a very creative place. Uh, you know, I do not go out with a camera if I've got some big life issue that I'm wrestling with and frustrated about. You know, because that emotion will come out in. No, Why? it's just it because I think to to go out and do the kind of picture taking that I like to do. I need to be real fresh and open and innocent, you know. Um, I'm very, very aware and I have been for decades now about the mental aspects of going out to take pictures. I used to wake up, you know, maybe it's, I haven't taken a, some good pictures lately and I'd be like, damn, I should be out there looking for good pictures to take, you know, finding good things. And you kind of get out there and you're like, shit, I don't find, I'm not seeing anything. You know, where is all the good shots? I mean, it's negative, 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 negative. I'm not, it's not this, it's not happening. I should right. do this. That's terrible pressure to put on yourself. And, and expect, it closes you off. And ex- of course it does. And it took me years to realize that, you know, because I drove myself hard. Like, I want to take better pictures. I got to go out and take better pictures. And that's not, that's not, it doesn't happen that way. So, you know. If I'm going out with a camera with the intention of connecting with nature or exploring and finding something that I had never seen before, it's going to be done with a good open mind. 
not under pressure or you should do this or you got to do this or I'm pissed about this so maybe I'll go out and shoot and it's not a remedy for that you know now how about the times when you're just out without a camera and you have this uh, emotional visual oh, experience oh, that's a real that's an excellent question and you wish you could uh, capture it mm. but you weren't Man, that is there. that is such a good question and that is that how is how do you ever think to yourself i need to recreate this yeah. moment because it yeah, felt yeah, yeah. so magnificent i just want to share it with the well, world well i'll tell you exactly what i do in that case i oh boy have i struggled and wrestled with that one for my whole adult life it's a great question the 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 action is simple carry a camera with you at all times period end of discussion there's <laughs> nothing else to talk about that's the end of the topic just have your camera with you all the time but i don't and i have killed myself i beat the crap out of myself seeing these scenes and i'm like oh why don't you idiot you know and and I, I don't do that anymore. The fact that you got to see that beautiful moment or that incredible thing and not bothered yourself with reaching, taking a lens cap off, turning it on, looking at the settings. You're experiencing the moment. I'm though. saying if you can take all of that out of it and just sit there and breathe that in visually and not clutter up with the photographic process, you are making yourself such a better photographer by doing that. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Cause you that's that great. is true emotional response. And the more you refine that, you start to see hidden layers of stuff you've never that most people don't see because you're just sensitive enough to ride that moment and soak that visual emotional response in that that like an athlete that runs every day or lift weights every day it, it starts to pay off in time so if i don't have a camera i never think of it as i missed that moment i think of it as i've got to fully enjoy that moment without cluttering up that experience with anything technical or you know execution wise just soaked it in but i love how you said how it opens you up it opens your vision it opens you up for for future yeah yeah photographs yeah because at that point when it gets to that heightened sensitivity now when you're grabbing your camera man you're going to get a really good picture you're dialed in you've connected so but that's a great question because i <laughs> that's a great answer oh well, man i i have i, I have that. wrestled with that my entire life seriously and i still do you know, living where we live. I mean, there's all, I see stuff, you know, I'm going into town for coffee and an egg sandwich and it's like, are you kidding me? You don't have your camera, really? And that happened? <laughs> yeah. Good one, Lamont. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I love that. Well, that was, that was great. Yeah, that was good stuff. That was really good. Well, when I sat there and I thought, I'm like, oh no, I know, I know what I got to talk about. I mean, I'm crazy about what we just talked about. All of that. That's it. Thank you, Tracy Kroll. This episode is going to have a dedicated page on InsideThePassion.com. Be sure to check it out if you haven't checked it out already.
Uh, Tracy is uh, an accomplished drummer. He is also a sound healer. So we're going to be doing a couple of more episodes with Tracy. And I like to give thanks to y'all out there listening to InsideThePassion.com. Pop on over to the website if you haven't been there, InsideThePassion.com. This is Lamont saying thank you and have a good day.